No, not yet. Okay. Tell her to give you a thumbs up when it's ready, and we'll get we'll go ahead and get started. All right. Well, now it falls off my head. Sorry about that. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, today is Sunday, December twelfth, twenty twenty one. And uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3, finishing up the chapter where we left off last week. And uh, the title this morning that I put on the lesson this morning is Let's Build Something. And uh, as I was thinking about the title, at, at least I can probably say this about the men in this room, that if you remember as a child or as a boy, you probably walked around in a field or in a yard somewhere and found scraps of lumber or, um, you know, just pieces of wood and things like that and got together with your friends and said, cool, let's build something. Let's put something together, whether it be a, uh, you know, a little soapbox car or go-kart that you spin down a hill and break your arm with or a tree house or um, like I did when I was a boy, I just had a, a, a section of a pallet that I put up behind my dad's garage and found a, uh, a steel bucket that I was going to make as a fireplace, and when my dad found that, um, I got in some pretty serious trouble because all my dad could think of was, you are going to burn the garage down. <laughs> to me, it was just a cool little fort, you know, that uh, with a little fireplace in it to keep warm because it was late November when, uh, when this was going on. And of course, I wasn't all that smart, so I did it in the weeds that were left after the garden was picked and and done, and uh, and so it wasn't a good thing. But either way, the way that a child, a young man, a boy can look at a pile of lumber and see something in it, uh, other than just scraps of wood and rusty nails and things like that, uh, is a pretty good picture how Jesus can look at a group of people that come from different walks, that have different faults and flaws and things like that, and he can see the construction of the church. Um, and he can see the, the, the body of believers uh, come together to form something that is meaningful and purposeful. Um, and, it, and it's much better than anything that I could ever build uh, out of scraps of wood and things like that. Um, and if you remember last week, we're going to be in chapter 3, but last week uh, in verses 10 through 17, you know, we saw the metaphors that he was using. Uh, the descriptions of what he was uh, giving as far as the field uh, being the body and the, and the, uh, the building, uh, a construction site being uh, the church. Um, we saw the, the materials that were being used and, and how they produced what was, um, what was good and what was useful and also materials that were being used that weren't useful. And so... Uh, each one, each one of those things is is important, uh, but the quality of the building materials is crucial. And so, what we use to construct the body of believers is important to remember. So, we're going to start in verse twelve, uh, reading from there again, and read through the end of the chapter. He says, "If anyone builds on this foundation, use gold, g using gold, silver, costly stones." wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. 
It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the, God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the, of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you for the foundation um, that you give us that is Jesus Christ. And Lord, if we build on any other foundation, it's, it's bound to destruction. But Lord, if we build on your foundation, um, Lord, it, it's eternal life. And so, Lord, I just pray that we are faithful. I pray that we are strong. And, and Lord, I pray that we are obedient. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in verses 12 through 17, there's this, a description of three kinds of builders. Okay, do you see it there? You look at verse uh, 12. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. And of course, he's referring to uh, the day of the rapture. He says it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now, verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will see a reward. There's a description there of one of three types of builders that are in this passage. This builder is described as an expert builder. This person is described as one who perseveres with the word of God, one who stands firm when difficult decisions are made, um, to demonstrate truth and righteousness in the face of adversity, in the face of persecution. Um, and we're going to look at some other passages that, that demonstrate that or, or that Jesus teaches about that uh, in a few minutes. But in verse 15, there's another builder described. It says, if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. So this is, this is considered uh, an unwise builder. Someone who has took grasp or took hold of the truth of the gospel message and understood it and believed it, but then has difficulty or, or has a struggle walking and, and reading the scripture and going, wow, that's, that's really tough. I'm not sure if I can do it. And, and continues to, to be easily swayed from the scripture and then repents and comes back and then is easily swayed again and struggles through their walk with the Lord. But God knows that that person is his, but the, the, the things that he is building and the materials that he's using 
is building a large group of people that looks like an active living church. And it looks, it's welcoming, and it's easy to come in and sit down and be comfortable and not be challenged a whole lot by the truth. And so I, I think of the church of Sardis that's mentioned in, in Revelation, and, and, and he describes it as, wow, it really looks like you're thriving, but I know your deeds, and I know the motives of your heart, and they're not what they should be. And so it, that builder is one who can build a, a big group of people and get a bunch of people to unite together, but there's not a whole lot of substance of truth within the body. So then when we look at uh, uh, in verse 17, there's another builder here. And he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. This is the destructive builder. It's the builder who is wanting to look like a spiritual uh, structure that wants the church to look holy, wants it to look righteous when it's really not. And it's really, um, I mean, it's kind of the description of a cult. And we'll look at things that are going on in our community. And usually we're reluctant to call it out what it, by what it is. You know, there's a lot of times we'll see things and we're going, well, they're doing a lot of good things in the community. Um, they're doing a lot of good things for other people and things like that. And it's, and it's kind of sometimes it's difficult to differentiate from uh, a thriving um, spiritual church. As a matter of fact, that one usually looks more inviting. And so I think of the passage uh, where Jesus says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Where do people naturally want to go to? You know, we want to naturally follow a crowd that is doing things and that is feeling good about what they're doing. Um, and it's easy to get caught up in that and think and believe that it's spiritual but if we don't examine it against the scripture and against the word of God and there's not fruit being produced that is spiritual fruit, then those physical things that we do really are not going to mean anything. And Paul describes those things as rubbish um, as we read in Philippians as well. So this is important to keep in mind when we look at the materials, when we look at verses 12 and 13, the, the three expensive materials we talked about last week, they have lasting eternal value. Um, the spiritual part of it. The second three materials describe false doctrines that are valueless, they're unstable, um, and they're driven by selfish motives. And so um, it's easy to be driven by that. The gold and silver and costly stones also refer to believers who constitute the church, where the wood, the hay, and the straw represent unregenerate people that are present in the church but before judgment is made, the various materials appear similar or indisguisable, or in, in dis, they're, they're difficult to differentiate between them. And so when we look at Matthew 13, 20 and 21, there's a description of the seed falling on rocky ground. If we look there for a second, Matthew 13, and you're familiar with this passage, I believe, we've referred to it many times before. It's in the middle of the parable of the soils. He says that in verses 20 and 21, he says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, the la they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And I, when I read that, I think to myself, in, in a short time in re reference to what my time schedule is. 
and all of a sudden it, it, it kind of, it's, it's generating inside of me that a short time is not by my time schedule, it's by God's time schedule. And so we're seeing more and more of this today where being obedient to the word of God is becoming more and more difficult and there's more and more people that are saying, I'm still a believer, but I'm just going to hang back for a little while. I'm just, you know, I, d I don't think it's safe to, to come to church. I don't think it's safe to uh, openly talk about Jesus Christ in a, in a CRT world. Um, I don't think it's, it's appropriate for, uh, for us to bring Bibles to school and, and, to, and to give truth uh, in the middle of um, a world that has completely rejected Jesus Christ. Critical race theory. Um, there's, there's just so much more and more of this. And, and um, I didn't realize it right away, but it's even infiltrating, you know, the, the churches today. Uh, it's coming in and people are trying to compromise with the scriptures to make sure that uh, they're not going to lose people rather than giving the truth and letting God sh separate the sheep and the goats. And that's a difficult place to be because people don't want to lose people. And so we'll, we'll try to justify actions by saying, well, you know, we're going to, um, we're, we're going to lose people if we, if we stand firm on this truth or if we, uh, if we stick with it. And, and the difficult part is, is, is and the, Dave's guilty, me, I'm guilty of this more than anybody, is it's easy to get frustrated and go, you know what, fine. If you want to go, just go, you know. And, and I've been guilty of that over and over and over again to the point where God's had to, to show me how to repent of that and say, you know what, gentleness and respect. And he's just been reaffirming that in my mind over and over again. Be careful how you, how you correct somebody because you might fall into sin. Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, I think it is, 1 and 2. You know, he says, when, you, when somebody sins, be careful how you approach them. Approach them with the word, with love, and with, um, and with care. And so that's something that's difficult to do. Um, nobody likes confrontation, so, um, but the Lord gives us instruction on how to do it. So anyway, Jesus is the living stone uh, as well. What's that? Oh, well, critical race theory, um, and Jim is more knowledgeable on it than I am, but it's, it's, it's a concept that's being taught that if you fall in a, a specific ethnic group, you deserve certain things. And, it's, and, and they say, and correct me if I'm wrong, they say that we shouldn't be racist, okay, uh, which is true. We shouldn't. We shouldn't judge people based on, um, you know, on their background and things like, yeah. And so what they want to do is they want to use that to be more racist against white. They'll, they'll tell you that a, that a white male um, deserves nothing. They deserve to be kicked to the dirt. Um, and I don't know how else to explain it. Maybe you can shed some more light on this. Not people. But people already in the church are listening to the things that are going on in the world and they're saying, you know, maybe we should really consider what they're saying and implement some of these things in the church so that different people groups will be welcome. 
And the reality is, is the scripture teaches that if we love everybody the way we're supposed to, the way Christ did, then some people are going to be attracted to that and they're going to be attracted to the truth. They're going to submit to Jesus Christ. There are some that are going to come in and they're going to look around and they're going to go, wait a minute, you ex- God expects this from me? No way. No thanks. And then they'll go out into the world and say the church is is racist, they're critical, they're unloving, they because they don't accept me in my sin the way I am. And, you know, um, maybe you can help with that a little more. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Right, and it's and it's simple. The simplest description or example that I can give you is um, to say that our vice president, people would say, or critical race theory would say that our vice president is the best vice president ever in America because nothing to do with her merit, but everything to do with she's a female, she's a black, she's, and that's exactly how she got to position. Right. Because they're already looked down on. Yeah. Right. Look the other way. Right. 
it shouldn't take three people walking by for that man to receive help, you know, especially from one who can call themselves spiritual people, you know. Right, right. The passage of scripture that comes to my mind when we talk about these things and the way that our culture is today is Romans 1 and uh, verses 28 through the end of the chapter. He says, yeah. The universal church, the whole, right. So let me just read the first. Their their church in name only. Picture is so blurry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to that one too when the angels actually do that in the tribulation. Right, they know exactly who to. But just listen to this first part of this verse of Romans 1:28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, if you just think about that phrase, that expression. They didn't think it was important to really study the scripture and stand firm on it. What we really say is, no thanks God, I think we'll do it on our own. And that's where we're at today. Is we don't want to take the truth and we don't want to implement it in our lives to the point where it may offend my family members. It may offend the people that are the closest to me. Um, you know, So coming together, that, that's going to become more and more difficult. God gave them over to a depraved mind so that, they, so that they do what they ought not be done. And so the, I, I used to be a really big t-shirt fan. You know, t-shirt had a cool expression on it. Every once in a while I see Jim and some of you guys wearing some t-shirts that have some really good expressions on them and, and, and scriptures and things like that. But I used to have a t-shirt and it was my favorite. I wish I could find another one because all the writing is wore off of it now. But it said... It was a letter that says, Dear God, why do you allow so much violence in schools? And it says, Signed, a concerned student. And on the other side of the shirt, it says, Dear concerned student, I'm not allowed in school. 
find God. And so that's the reality of where we're at is we want to blame God for all the bad things that are going on after we've shut him completely out, kicked him out of the things that we want his protection in. And so anyway, in verse 29 of Romans 1, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, and they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, they're slanderers, they're God-haters, they're insolent, arrogant, and boastful, and they invent ways of doing evil, and they disobey their parents. They have no understanding of fidelity, no love, no mercy, and although they knew or they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And as, as I read through that, I can think of different things that I've heard in the news or different things that have transpired um, over the last months in our society and in the world today. And, and I, I, just, I just go, wow, that's right where we're at. You know, um, I see some of the difficult decisions that people who are truly following Christ have to make. Um, and, I, and I realize that it's that people are, are challenging God um, blatantly, openly uh, in saying, if you follow him, you don't love me. If you follow him, you don't love a people group. Uh, if you follow him, you don't love children uh, in those kinds of things. And we're seeing that more and more. So Jesus is at the, he is the living stone uh, back in our text. He says, you, are, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. If we look at 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5, that's the passage that says this. Peter writes, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans. When I, when I read that, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. When I read rejected by humans, I think of the passage where Jesus says, they will hate you because they hated me first. So Jesus was rejected by humans. And if we come to him and we want to fully surrender to him, we shouldn't be surprised when people reject us. We shouldn't be surprised when there is a struggle uh, between people over truth. Continuing on, he says, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what the spiritual sacrifices are? <laughs> yeah, Jim's pointing to himself. So yes, that's, that's a big part of it right there. A contrite heart makes us, therefore, God, it slips my mind now. I, I can usually quote it. Um, let's, let's read Romans 12.1. I'll have to go there because I'll butcher it. Mercy to present yourselves... Holy, yeah, holy and acceptable, pleasing to God, which is your true uh, worship. So if you if you didn't catch that, you can. I'll give you a second to flip there and and read it. Um, but in uh, in First Corinthians three thirteen and fifteen through fifteen, 
um, we'll just go back there after you get done. We're reminded again of the rapture uh, of the church and the judgment where Christ will judge the quality of our works. And, uh, and so he will also reward, gives us the reward that is to come or shows us the reward that is to come. So this morning I was praying, um, I think it was Matthew 23, uh, I forget the verse, but anyway, um, I had it on my phone. Let me, let me just look at it real quick and I'll read it to you. Um, Yes, yes. Right. Right, right. This is Matthew 24, 12 and 13. Uh, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And there's also a reference in Revelation as well, too, that's very similar. Revelations uh, 3.21, you know, he talks about the one who overcomes uh, will be granted victorious, or there'll be granted victory in the end. Um, and that's the one who stands firm in the, in the face of persecution. And I think it's easy to get distracted by looking for the reward here. And so that's, that's, that's my burden, that's my struggle is, is, uh, you know, I want to be faithful today. I want to say, okay, tomorrow, Lord, I want to feel better. I want to I uh, be encouraged and, and I want to be lifted up. And, and the reality is, is the encouragement is there within the body of believers, but I'm not looking there all the time. I'm always looking for some other way. You know, um, there's a Casting Crowns song that says, we look for our blessings in our pockets. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. We look for our blessing. Okay, Lord, I, I served you today and, and I have a need. You know, fill her up. <laughs> you know, and that's the way we sometimes, and, I, and I'm the same way. That's the way I look at it. Um, I don't want to struggle financially with things. But the reality is, is Jesus never says that you will be promised that you won't struggle financially. As a matter of fact, you may have a lot of things taken away from you so that you don't have the worries of taking care of all that stuff. Yes. Well, that's an important point to remember when you're witnessing to people, because I think we present the gospel message as as positive and as uh, as blessed as it can possibly be without delivering the expectations of the uh, out of the condition of who I am. Okay, and that mean what I mean by that is 